This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to drink wise. Series 8, episode 38, and it's a quick turnaround from episode 37. This is a Monday morning. We're midstream of the uh, NFL offerings. In, I think it's week six, and I've managed to catch them NFL. And Hutchie, uh, you typically in this uh, this current climate are not here. You're uh, down the computer line. Where are you today? I'm in Sydney. Can't believe that you've interrupted your NFL. This is all you do for 22 weeks of the summer. So I can't believe you've actually interrupted a NFL Monday morning to, to do the sounding board. You'll be, you'll be distracted the whole way through the episode. So I'll do my best. I basically you, haven't, uh, haven't been watching NFL. I never do until the uh, trade period's finished, and we're about three days away from that being the case. But I did manage to have the TVs on this morning when I was getting ready to get out of the place. So to see some, so I'm about a week away from that, Hutchie. Yes, and, um, and the the circus continues. So uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift overnight, <laughs> they went to dinner at Cat's Steak in the Meatpacking District, not far from our hood demo, and then they were off to uh, the Saturday Night Live Party and they were seen in the in the village till about three o'clock this morning. I haven't caught up with this. This, yeah. this so confirmation <laughs> and holding hands for the oh, first time. <laughs> Where's Cat Steak? I don't think we came across that one, did we? Uh, well, Catch, which is next door to where we normally hang out, but then they've got Catch Steak now, which is yeah. a spin-off, and they're right in the heart of the meatpacking district. So it was your hood hey, for about fifteen years. The hey, meatpackers. It, 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 it was, and still very close to my heart, as you know. Hey, just before we get onto the serious stuff, just speaking of Taylor Swift, what about the movie deal? that has happened with the Eras Tour. Can you believe the Hollywood misstep on this? I know we touched on it a couple of weeks ago, but some further economics have come to life, if you can yeah, indulge well, I've me I've got a, a couple of nieces who who are absolutely obsessed, like like I think every single female that I know Hutchie is, and and, and, and including males, and I know you are too, and I'm, I'm yep. getting that way. So, so she's basically just put the cameras in, like the fly-on-the-wall cameras in on one of the concerts she did or one of the concert tours she did, and has then basically released that as a movie. And the experience of that as the consumer is you go to a cinema and you're at, it's like you're at the concert. Is that is that, Am I summarising it correctly there? You're in the right neighbourhood. So in simple terms, the Eras Tour, which has been the huge success, I think the, the movie's based on three concerts at SoFi Stadium in California, which makes sense. It's the best tech venue, obviously, and yep. um, I guess lends itself to the cinema and in Hollywood. It's, in essence, a rework of... I think there's nine songs missing from the tour only. So it's a rework of the actual concert. It's not like it's flying the wall behind the scenes. To the, I haven't seen it, but this is what I've read. But it's, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bring to life concert. And you think about the economics of this. Taylor went to Hollywood and pitched this. And the movie theatres seemingly were a bit arrogant or ignorant as to what it might look like or work like. So yeah. she's gone to an independent and cut a 57-43 deal. 57% of the revenue hers and 43% the distribution company, the cinema. And um, and they've done this deal and they are, they did $100 million pre-sale on the first weekend. So it's going to go past Barbie on the current run rate <laughs> of what it, what it will do. Yeah. Which is unbelievable given it would have cost a fraction of what Barbie did because of the distribution already being made in the first place. You think about how much they spend on making movies. This was a kind of an in, this was a content that was, it's redefining the, the Taylor economics of the world and what impact it's having on economies is absolutely incredible. There's a genuine argument in some um, business pages that it's driving the American economy right now. <laughs> how Hollywood in a year of the writer's strike yeah. missed this demo. Yeah. And missed the power of it in the distribution is beyond me. And uh, it just shows you 
if you think about, I think the average concert ticket's about two forty six a ticket. So you think about those that either couldn't get a ticket or couldn't afford to go, who yeah. perhaps might be able to pay. And strategically, I think the cost is nineteen dollars eighty nine, which is a nine to nine eighty nine the year uh, for birth. Yes, okay. And yeah. the and the tour. Yeah. Um, and I think the other concessions thirteen thirteen. So you, you get the idea. It's it's genius marketing, and it is. She's reinventing the economics of her own own world here, Damo. I love Very how clever. you're up to speed with every aspect of this, Hutchie, because you have been to the point where you, you know where she lives in Tribeca. Franklin Street, yep. <laughs> it's, everyone knows where, where Taylor Swift lives in New York. Hey, tell me, the, the hard thing to get, and I had this um, conversation with my partner on the weekend and it just didn't quite go to plan. When you're a Taylor Swift fan and you're a dude, <laughs> well, like, I'm, I, so I want to go out and see the, the era's, uh, movie right, but in the early signs of the theaters, yeah. it's a lot of people dancing, twelve year olds, and, and yeah, you can't, you just can't do it, right? So and when you were talking about this, I was about to say it's not going to be right for someone in their fifties to go and see it if you're male, is yeah, it? Well, yeah, not, well, not early days, anyway. Is that right? Well, you, you can't, you can't do it in the in the surrounds of which it, it's currently like, and the idea of getting a private theater is beyond my means. So you know, unless it, unless it goes to uh, VHS demo or DVD, it looks like I'm out, but. How do you? How, how about you do? how about you and I watch it in 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 your house or my house when it comes out on the streaming? How about that? Yeah. We, we watch it that way. No one can watch this. And then you've got your partner looking at you like you're an idiot because you're <laughs> so so in. But I I love the business side of Taylor and what what she's been able to build on the back of having uh, an inordinate amount of faith in herself and her own ability to connect with a fan base and a distribution model that's, that's very non-traditional. And, and you feigned disgust a couple of weeks ago when I did suggest that there may be a marketing component to the Travis Kelsey-Taylor Swift arrangements, Hutchie, and, you, and you're going to maintain that disgust that you've got, the, 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 the thought of there being anything other than pure love attached to all of this? You, you're not buying any, into any well, of this? Well, her, her brand can't get any bigger. It is piping hot as yeah. a brand. And... His brand was already in a very, very good spot, and he put them together. And like, yeah, the way the the pictures this morning when he opened the car door and the flashes going off, <laughs> it was next level. Oh, so was level. it the um, yeah. was it the big black uh, Escalade type uh, of arrangement to, to roll about? I think the it was a white SUV. Uh, okay, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but no, he wasn't driving. Surely he had a driver. They had a driver. I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's it was it's this is Hollywood, right? So yeah. it's as, it's as big as it gets. And, anyway, and, and, uh, the, and the paparazzi would have been tipped off too, wouldn't they? They would have said that the favoured paparazzi would have been commissioned well, to listen at seven forty-five. Well, you know, you've spent you spent a bit of time with me in the West Village and sort of Soho streets of New York, and you see them there, don't you? you that, the, where where the celebrities live in that hood is well known to everybody. Yep, and it is well known to the paparazzi, and the paparazzi have a, a much more um, my my instinct, and we were in this business for a little while ourselves, as you know. Have a more intimate relationship with the subjects than they do in, say, LA, where you, you know, you you could be anywhere, and you're perhaps getting out of a restaurant or a um, you know a house. Whereas in New York, you kind of stand on the same corner every morning. And you go walk past the photographer to get your coffee. Like it's a bit more. I don't know. Don't you think it's a bit more? Well, I know Hugh Jack. Everyone's getting together. Papped a lot lately, and and because I do, there is there is a guy that I do follow on Instagram, and when I check on that, he he seems to be getting a shot of uh, Hugh Jackman every day. But Hugh Jackman stops, waves, and almost says hello to him. Yep. Yep. Well, Hugh Jackman lives uh, facing the water there uh, in the West Village, and he 
his local coffee shop's well known because he owns it, and he's yep. like he's got no I chance. I stumbled of on that one it. day. In, uh, that was in Tribeca yep. too, wasn't it? I think or Soho. The Laughing Man. So he's got no chance of really living a normal kind of West Village life through this difficult time. Actually, didn't we life, have didn't we have a, a restaurant meal at the basement of the apartment he lives in one year? I think we did. Uh, no, no, no. You told me that's where he lived but at the time. No, no, he's in. Uh, oh, I won't tell you where he lives, but uh, it, there you go. So, that, yeah. But anyway, how do we get onto that? That's a. Uh, no, I don't know. That, I don't know. Yep. Do you, do you want to move from Taylor Swift? Is that, and, do you reckon that's a fair distribution split? Fifty-seven forty-three on the. Who's who's who brings more to the table, the distribution or the product? Oh, gee, this, this is a, this is a world I've got no idea. In. <laughs> <laughs> well, you tell me. It, be, it, it sounds. Well, I would. I reckon if you Taylor, you might have gone in at seventy-five twenty-five, and you got worked back to fifty-seven. Did you? Well, there'd be marketing costs bundled in and commitments back and I think the overhead to be carried by the, the distribution. They have all those things. But anyway, I, I found it fascinating that she's as big as big we've seen though, isn't the, isn't she in, in that in that in that marketing sense of the word. Well yeah last one is could it change the movie industry forever? Like if if you're getting major acts like that find a way to distribute content in theatre in a cost effective way that makes a bomb you can't tell me that the Hollywood execs aren't sitting around saying, wait a minute. So mm. we normally spend a couple hundred million on a movie and we take all the risk. And now you're saying there's a model where someone's already doing this and they're redistributing it. And there's not many tailors out there, but who else could you know, could get this done? So anyway, I thought it found it interesting. Um, the weekend gone, Damo. Yep. Very emotive in Australian history and life. Very raw. Uh, the no vote got up as of this morning. I think it was 60.5 to 39.5 as the West Australian votes... Um, the last of them coming over the weekend and probably some, some post-counting. Uh, it went the way many assumed it would. Uh, you're, for the sake of transparency, your brother, Mini-Me, involved as Peter Dutton's advisor who led the no movement. Well, for the sake of transparency, I'm happy to say and had been saying for some weeks I was going to vote yes and I did vote yes, Hutchie. So that's my transparency on it. Uh, what did you do? Uh, I voted yes. Right. Um, I, I voted yes because I didn't think it was perfect, but I thought it was better. Yeah, it was a bit the and, same. Yeah, it was a bit the same. Yep. yep. But I felt it was a better outcome than, than the no was. But what what I want to do today, but, and I don't know whether you want to take it, but I just think it's worth you and I, because we've got, let's face it, we've got no idea what we talk about half the time on this show, and we, we openly admit that. But what we can sometimes do, and whether we're on the right track with it or not, who knows, but the analysis of, of why it failed so dismally, I think, is where I want to take it initially, unless you want to take it somewhere else first. And No, I'm, I'm with you on this. Yeah, and, and, the, and the layers of it, and the, even the timeline around it, and then how it became political. I know there's nothing that goes to Parliament, and, and by way of referendum, even though it's meant to be above the line of politics, of course it got political. So the, 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 was the right versus the, the left side of politics took their stances and their positions, and Peter Dutton started He's patting himself on the back for, for the no vote getting up and Anthony Albanese's in a coma in the corner because the, the yes vote failed so badly. But what I reckon we should have a look at, just at least a quick summary today, as, as it is now 48 hours after it was officially deemed to be a, uh, a massive no, the, the connection of the politics to it, obviously that was at play. But do we think also too, Hutchie, and I, I feel people, just general people, are sick of being told what to do and what not to do. Now, I know that when there's a simple question, it's yes or it's no, they've got to arrive at that decision themselves. But the politicians and the companies, and this is another angle of this too, like the Qantases of the world, the AFL, other major organisations that that do have arrangements with federal governments and state governments, and there's money attached to those arrangements, 
there's the, and again, those those companies, Qantas and AFL, they arrive at the position themselves. I'm not not saying there's anything at play there, but then distributing that position so hard, like the AFL repeated its messaging on the day of or the week leading into it. Qantas did it. Qantas painted its planes. Qantas was. I'm just asking, Hutchie, is there an element of that just seeping into the people's psyche that hey? Don't tell me what you're doing. I'll work it out myself. And and by the time you get to the date, there's a long runway for this. By the time you got to the date, it was basically no chance. And and the the polling had been suggesting that for months already. I think there's clear evidence that people don't like to be told what to do and how to vote. And that certainly showed up in some way. You can argue to what degree in the more than 60% of Australians who voted against because it the... The quiet Australians or the silent Australians, as Scott Morrison famously called them, there's a lot more of them than people realise. And, you know, I think in the circles you and I move in, we, it was hard to find a no voter anywhere. But it was, mm. it, we, we live in a disproportionate world to perhaps what people either A, admit their real view is, or B, feel they're in, 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 um, in common life. Um, a few things here. First of all, I admire the courage to put the vote up. So it took courage from Albanese. He, he committed to it that he would do it at the election, and he did, or a version thereof. Yeah. Uh, it was poorly argued. Uh, he didn't, Okay, wh- why do you say that? Well, he didn't articulate what it was well enough for people to vote for it. And there were some risk-takers like you and I. Oh, I, 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 I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I yep. would agree with what you've said there. Um, I feel he, it was, on the run, he was regularly trying to update the, the why behind the, well, the push. Yeah, we hadn't. I mean, he, he either didn't have a plan or he didn't think, he thought the plan was going to be even more harshly haggled and argued out than the parliament could cope for. So he thought he'd take his chance on it later on and mm. he misread the room. So, and I think he really couldn't or shouldn't have gone to the polls on that unless he knew he'd win. And so he took risk. So I admire on one hand the courage and the conviction, but he didn't articulate it or sell it well enough. And in a modern digital era where the fear can be so easily sold directly into mobile phones via TikTok and otherwise. The, the fear campaign, uh, combined with the don't tell me what to do, is drowned him. And it, and it took some bark off his prime ministerialship without question. Now, well, it to does. What degree... Yeah, it does. There's no other way of looking at it than, than that. Oh, but I'd go a step case. further. P- Peter Dutton looked prime ministerial for the first time. Now, you can disagree vehemently with his view, as many do, and as you and I do. Do, but he looked like he was. He looked. I thought he looked prime ministerial for the first time, and it looked like the counter prime minister. So that that hadn't really been a thing till now, and it had been a honeymoon that had lasted for a fair while for the Albanese government. So they they have to now dust themselves off. Corporate Australia, you mentioned. This is interesting. So thirteen of the top twenty businesses in Australia campaigned, or expressed, or contributed to. The um, yes, and then the four of the four hundred million, they might have only been two million here and five million there, and and uh, so Instagram post there, but they, that is sixty six percent of the biggest companies in our country, um, all of which had their heart in the right place and their honest views. What um, what the critics will be saying today is right, wrong, or indifferent. Sixty percent of those staff bases of those businesses, on average, disagreed with their employers view and how you deal with that as an employer and I, I'm, I don't um, you know I'm a, a media owner not a re, not a brand owner but that is a, that is a really interesting thing to get your head around as 
as some of those big businesses because they have scalable staff. So their chances are their pro rata staff are about the same. If you hire a hundred thousand people, the chance you know, the overwhelming probability is about sixty percent uh, give or take voted mm. against. So how you and then you look at the the um, the consequences of brands intersecting into social issues. You don't have to look any further than Bud Light in America, which lost thirty percent of its sales basically forever. The best I'll ever do is get half of those back on the back of the getting involved in the Dylan uh, Bud Light um, issue, and that that has wiped billions off their revenue. So, you know, they're all the things that come with day two on this demo. Yeah, uh, I, I think most of those businesses stick by their conviction and their and their beliefs. But well, they have to. There's no way they could relinquish those views now. But when and if consequence comes into these things from a brand world, it will get interesting. Yeah, it's like it's not it's not easy to have a, a strong public view as a business. These it's easier days. though when the money comes from the governments. Well, I don't. Yeah, I'm not. So that's you. You would say. So let's use Qantas as the example. You would say heavily reliant on government. Clearly, a role in keeping Qatar out. Clearly, funded through the pandemic bailout, etc. Well, and, tick, 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 and all those things you suggested. Yeah, uh, and they're, they're, the, but, they're the issues we know of. But the counter to that is, if the public and the staff don't agree with you, and they—I'm not saying they well, do. Actually, or the don't. public and the staff don't agree. The staff have taken yep. Qantas to court, and, yeah, yeah. and the public has had a backlash. But because it's effectively, yeah, but you if, can't say effectively. If the because public, there's not much opposition to it, Hutchie, you either fly one yeah. airline or another in this country, effectively. Like the, you look back now at the Ellen Joyce um, photo opportunity with elbow outside the the painted plane. It looks a little bit, you know, mainly because of Ellen Joyce's um, end of his era. But it it looks off, you know. It, it looks might have off, been the last straw for, for Joyce. It looks who, who off brought point. Forty's resignation or the timing now, of his resignation. Yeah. If this won't happen, because but if the public started voting with their feet and saying, "Well, we're not flying Qantas because we don't want you," but they don't have that choice, Hachi. That's my point. They don't have uh, that choice. Ah, uh, yes, but there'll be other brands among those top twenty where there is more than a duopoly in, in essence that yep. there is in the airline industry. So it, it's just it's interesting. It's it's not an easy thing for corporate Australia big businesses to to deal with. Yeah, no, and I think most of those businesses would have felt when they originally committed that they were swimming with the public tide, not against it. Oh, I what think, do you think you're right yeah. in saying that. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I, agree what, with that. I mean, you're, you're a bit more um, objective on this than me. What do, what do you think about brands uh, having to commit to a, a social or government issue? One, I mean, it was impossible to commit to it. For my, I think no, I saw Red Morris Blackburn committed to the no, but I, I don't know of any others that did. Um, maybe there was plenty. I missed them along the way. What? How do you... How do you compute that? What do you oh, think well, the role again, of the brand is? Again, there's politics at play everywhere. And, and, and we had this conversation last week about follow the money, Hachi. You follow the money to these things. And, and again, I'm, I'm absolutely comfortable saying these organisations make and, and arrive at these positions themselves, okay? So I'm not saying that the money forces them to take this position, but it certainly allows them to present it publicly and to their shareholders and stakeholders in a way that is favourable. I mean... You know, you know this, Archie. The the government funds a lot of these companies that, that ultimately support the government initiatives. Well, but I, let me let me reframe that for you. A lot of the money spent is was public shareholder money in these businesses. Now, if the public are sixty percent of against the where you spent your money, what money was spent from Qantas? They they had to probably paint their planes anyway. They just painted them in a certain no. But there way. was there was fine. I think there was financial contributions from brand, from brands to the yes movement. I think. 
and I don't know what each put in. I could probably do a quick Google. I think I read this morning ANZ was two million. There'd have been well, you they, know, they put money in as well, did they? Yeah, there'd have been different degrees of contribution. Did the AFL put money in? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Um, I'd be surprised if they did. I know the whole they thing supported got, it. The whole thing cost four hundred. Yeah. Okay. But if you if you're if you're a business and you take a social stand for what you feel is the right reasons, and we respect and honour that. And I think they but have to. I think they have to on, but, on times, at times. But you're spending um, shareholder or public money to do it, uh, and you think you're doing it on behalf of your shareholders, and then you see a vote that says 60% of the public disagree with how you've spent your money. Like, it's it's just a tricky one. I was just interested in your thoughts. I haven't really got my head deeply around it, clearly, but... We've probably exhausted our limited knowledge on this topic right now. Uh, well, I, think. I think we're just asking all the, yeah. the daft questions that everyone else is asking. Um, just And then... More broadly than that, you've been big on sports not necessarily committing themselves to social issues or causes. Uh, no, or... I haven't been big on it. I just observe it, Hutchie, and and I do say follow the money like we do on most topics yep. that have so, money involved. So, like, the, the hard part, not the hard part, where, where, where that line begins and ends is the tricky one, right? Mm. So there's calls in the Herald Sun today for the, saying why the AFL being so silent on what's happening in the Gaza Strip and the situation with the Israelis and those those type of issues. Now, what are, what are your views on how active or inactive oh. sports should be in these areas? Again, they they'll get involved if they need to. I mean, I I don't I don't understand the the Gaza Strip thing in a way that I would even want to put one form of commentary around it, Hutchie, because I I don't am not equipped to deal with this conversation publicly. I read what's going on. I've attempted I, to understand the history. But yeah, so I wasn't necessarily. I was asking you about sports role in taking a stand or expressing empathy or support or. Well, as I say, you, you know my views on this. A lot of people around the world pick and choose moments, don't they? And I always say, if, if you're going to be in, be all in on, on everything. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a very, it's a very complicated one for for modern sport to to express passion and empathy in the in the in the right way without. Causing any effect. I'm, I'm not talking about that particular issue. I'm just talking more broadly now about about taking a social stand on things. Hey, uh, moving on to areas we know a touch more about at least. <laughs> Maybe. Um, Clayton Oliver in hospital last week, which broke on trade radio, and without getting into the circumstances of it, how concerned would Melbourne be about an investment of that magnitude tied up in someone that has clearly got some challenges? Yeah. And, and again, I don't want to delve too deeply into even information pertaining to this uh, that we may be privy to that the public isn't because ultimately this is now a private medical incident, Hutchie, in my eyes, and the club itself referred to it as a medical episode. So let's just leave that there. But to your point, coming the week after, there had been a week-long big debate internally, externally about Clayton Oliver's position in the Melbourne Footy Club. It's, it's of massive concern. It's of massive concern. But what happens now is that the individual is is far more important than the club in these situations, and and coming at the weekend or the week after the the week that had played out, it may well be it may well be in in terms of a timeline on it, it may well be a good time for for this to have happened, just for the gravity of the Clayton Oliver story to to reach the the levels that it may need to reach in every single person attached to him, everyone at his club, obviously, and I think most importantly, Hutchie, maybe himself now. I don't want to go into any more detail about what happened to him last Wednesday night. He was admitted or he admitted himself via an ambulance. Um, so 
you, transportation you, to a hospital? I'm not privy to anything, so I, I, I ask that question just like yep. reading the paper, really. But you, you clearly sound like you know a bit more about what happened, all the circumstances surrounding oh, it. Oh, but it's, it's, it's in some that, ways, it's not, nothing's irrelevant when you're taking to an emergency department. It's not irrelevant, but, but it's, it's, it's in keeping, I feel, with, with what Melbourne was dealing with the previous week, which made it to the public domain. And I don't care what anyone says, Hutchie. Mel- Melbourne was happy. Melbourne didn't want that story to get out. But once it did get out, the, I'm talking about the week before now, once it did get out, they also then let it let it explode and bubble yeah. for, for three and a half days. And then they put out the statement saying we had no consideration of trading Clayton put up all the, the defence mechanisms there. But they could have put that out on the Tuesday yeah. when the no, story they, got out. And they chose not to until the Friday. And they chose to put it out on the Friday because they had a best and fairest count where it would have been hijacked but with the Clayton Oliver story had they not put out a statement on the Friday. So you then get to the Wednesday of last week. That's when he had the medical episode and, and now we are on the Monday. So th- that's the timeline on it. So it was a real story that, that Melbourne they, was considering its future with him. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I think... They didn't start the fire. In fact, the fire probably surprised them, but they weren't quick to find the hose, were they? They Correct. were happy to let they were happy to let it burn for a, a, a day yep. or two to. Yeah, they were. To, and when I say yeah. they were considering it, I again yeah. I said it last week to you. I have no idea what percentage chance yep. of him not being at Melbourne was. It, it may have been as little as three or four. But when you're dealing with an all-time great player, not just for the AFL Footy Club, but the AFL competition, it, it's. It's it's a significant issue. So yeah, look, I I'm, I don't think there's much more to tell other than that this hopefully and, and I hate using phrases and cliches, but hopefully it is the the wake up call that he he may finally need to to just change his ways off field. And and again, he's not the only person out there in footy or industry or sport or politics who who probably needs to just have a reassessment of sorts at various points. He's about to start a seven year contract extension on a wage that's uh, right up there in AFL world, and he's got a you know potential to blow it if he if he doesn't change some of his ways. Yeah, the the um, we feel for him first and foremost. Absolutely, and, you do. Uh, yeah, hope he gets well. Gee, I tell you what, just move, before we move off AFL, it, it's becoming a sharper business than we've seen before. You got Taylor Adams, vice captain of a premiership team, who's ringing, who's getting his manager ring a competitor in grand final week, saying. What about me for next year? You got Jack Gunston, who doesn't want to borrow Hawthorne, wants to go and live in Brisbane until he doesn't get played, and then okay, take me home, Country Road. And then you've got <laughs> Tom Hawkins, who's just he's been the happy-go-lucky, I'll take the pay cut for everyone in the contract guy for all this time. All of a sudden, going, hang on, what's what about what's me? This, what's this offer? <laughs> what's this offer? And we better have a look at what Melbourne have got to say. Uh, like they're really, you know, they're kind of. Um, you would have thought they were three. Oh, Jack's a little different, but two died in the wool. You know, love their club. She'll be right, mate, guys. And yeah. it's, it's interesting how the, the I just I just sense the needle shifted on. You know, it, these things are a bit inevitable post COVID, and people's lives have been a little bit rearranged. And but yeah, the, it's a sharper commercial world among the players than I think it's ever been. No, it's a fair point. No, it's a fair yeah. point. I think the three you've packaged up um, illustrate that, don't they? I mean, J- Jack Gunston made a decision to leave Hawthorne as a free agent this time last year, and it didn't work for him for a number of reasons. And and part of that, and, and part of those reasons, is the the emotional backdrop to his, the passing of his father, the famous footy administrator Ray, yep. and and not being in his Melbourne base as as he was dealing with the initial phases of that grief, and then you had the injury issue, you had the conversation he had with Chris Fagan where he was left out of the team for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. Then he had the injury to contend with, and then he misses out on the grand final team and then thinks, well, no, nah, I'm coming back. So, yeah, he makes that decision. And thinks, 
it's amazing how things move so quickly. People adjust their thinking very quickly in these things. So you break the story that he wants to go home and that Brisbane are aware of it. I noticed by yesterday or by today, there's almost everyone saying Hawthorne have called on Gunston, which I'm not so sure could easily... That. I'm not so sure which, about that. Which could easily be a talk the deal down. It's going to be yeah. a fourth or fifth round pick type. I, again, move. I just reported that he wanted to return to Hawthorne, didn't say that he would. I still think, and we're talking at, uh, on this yep. early Monday morning, I still feel, Hutchie, by Wednesday at close of play on the deadline, that that's where he will be. He certainly won't and, be. Well, sorry. You and, can't say certainly Brisbane, at all, but he's unlikely to be at Brisbane, and I feel he'll be at Hawthorne still. And Brisbane, in the space of three days, would have gone from disappointed to quite keen to get him out. You know, because that's how quick your head moves. You go, yep. well, hang on, he, he doesn't want to be here. His money's tied up, yep. and he's just going to hang around. And you know, you know, we have to explain him every week why he's not in the team, and we're going to have that, you know, three or four time premiership player hanging around the edge of the club, going, "What about me?" So, well, yeah, let's let's get a deal done. Oh, what do you mean they don't want him now? Like, you see how quick that moves. Yeah, it does. He's a good person. I'm sure and it'll work. Also, out. too, with most situations when you've got a senior and experienced and, and excellent coach and person like Chris Fagan at Brisbane Lions, who was the, the single biggest reason Jack Gunston went to play at Brisbane, when he has that conversation with Jack Gunston, you know that he's still got that player at heart as well. So when they have arrived at that position, it's it's through that relationship primarily that, that it has got it to this point where it's um yeah gonna gonna be playing out where he's uh, gonna be. Actually, now, Joe, actually, before before, before yeah. we go on to, to I know we're going with the Finnery, I just want to just add this in for a sec. Yeah, um, I'll do my own stinger on the fly here. <laughs> the two minute warning: Damo is about to be drawn in a racing conversation. Please fast forward at your wish. <laughs> LMTC three two one six. You only, you yeah, only give me two minutes this week. This week, you gave me four I last went, week. I wasn't going to go there this week, but if you want to go, I there. went to the Everest on Saturday. Oh, did you? Did you? Let me give you the skinny demo. It looked good on TV. It looked it really was good on TV. Absolutely magnificent. <laughs> the the atmosphere in the course yeah. was like nothing you've seen. It was jumping from race one. I saw that. The I crowd that sang on the coverage. 46,000 people sang Sweet Carolina's one yeah. for the race with the lyrics up on the big screen. Is that a better and song than Horses? And I'm a Horses man. I'm a Sweet Caroline man. But I think it's a better song than Horses, isn't it? That's just uh, become more, part of the Sydney v Melbourne rivalry too, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, a, very, it's a very Sydney-friendly song. That's for sure. It's used at the Swans games as well. Yeah. And the demographic demo, you would, not have, you would have thought you were at a – Music festival rather than a racing meeting. It was full of twenty somethings, right? And young. You couldn't get in. It was a, it was a full house, wasn't it? It was a much younger crowd than you. Oh, it felt much younger. I don't know whether it's because of the fact that you're in a differently designed race course than you are in Melbourne, where perhaps you're a little bit uh, segregated from the youth. So was that your first but Everest? It, first Everest. I've been to a couple of championships, which is the closest. Yep, that's the Orion Carnival, isn't it? And yep. you, you name it, demo. They were there on the day, right. and and. Uh, Peter did the floor walk of all floor Oh, did he? Did, did yeah, he? he was. Take me through this then. How, how did he do it? Full flight. He was. <laughs> he had everyone there, and it was <laughs> off the charts. Good demo. Um, so anyway, um, including some. Uh, well, anyway, I shouldn't get into that. But so no, no, say it, say it. <laughs> what were we about to say? Including some what? Well, I think your your old uh, your old employer was well represented there on the day, which was good to see. So, well, they were running front page yep. ads well, in the Melbourne paper. Hang on, hang on. Were there Melbourne people from the Herald Sun there? Is that what you're saying? It was hard to tell from where I was oh. in, the, in the venue. 
So why weren't those the guineas? The Caulfield guineas. Where for you, weren't they? For Melbournians? It was there was a lot of people in the room. It was hard to actually but they they did acknowledge that there was a lot of lot of uh, people in the room on in the speeches. Oh, so they got a mention, some, did they? Yeah, there okay. was some there was some names that Hang on. Got... <laughs> Hang on. P- Peter Blunden? No, no, no. no. Tom Sailor? Anyway, no. So the oh. Anyway, so, the so point th- is this. 31.6 million dollars of prize money against 6.1 it was, seven of prize money. It Randwick was, it was versus Caulfield. You you, it was you took the I'm, Randwick option. I'm going to go to Caulfield this Saturday and even things up, but it was a, it was I'm looking forward to it. But it was a very impressive day, don't I? Okay, all right. Joe Aston, hussy. I don't. Um, I've never met Joe, but I've regularly uh, referred to his columns by people who say you've got to read this. No one can put together a turn of phrase like Joe when he when he wants to absolutely take someone down. But yeah. gone after 12 years at the Financial Review. He's hung up his tu- he's hung up his tongue, Damo. But he's taken some people down with. Oh. The, with, well, the, the mighty, we, the mighty pen. We talked uh, about farewell labs. The the longer the uh, Alan Joyce farewell lab went, it just yeah. gave Joe more ammunition and time and and yep. and ability and and context to get his eye in to to, think, to bring him down. I'm trying to think of some of his famous victims, but not victims, but subjects. But I do think, you think Alan Joyce might be the one. Alan Joyce and Josh yeah. Frydenberg are sitting back, going, "How unlucky am I? My era <laughs> coincided with Joe. <laughs> I couldn't have hung the boots up five years ago." <laughs> He um Feel, he had a crack at me once, such in a passing way. Did he? Yeah, over that sports, but had a couple of years ago, I think. And I think he then linked um linked the fact that my brother does work for someone, and I don't know. Oh, did that he? had nothing to do. Well, again, that's my memory of of it. Anyway, did you, but, did you ban him for two years? Like nah, you normally do? no, no, I kept, I do. I reckon the last let's go with six yeah. months. I don't subscribe to the financial review, but I yep. kept getting links to Joe Ashton articles. And See the um. He, he he writes as well as anyone. You just don't <laughs> ever want to be the subject of one of his columns. That famous sport, you're a bit stiff for that famous sports bet that he did because he, I reckon he've top, caught more clips and that's bounced around for longer than you see other journalists do do wagering um, podcasts and press conferences and nothing happens and you've, you're a bit unlucky. No, I was told I had to stand down from the AFMA by someone and then that same someone, um, someone sent me a photograph of that same someone only a couple of weeks ago with a backdrop, clearly a, a, a betting agency organised function that he was appearing at. Hachi. So, and I'm so, assuming, assuming only, assuming only, was paid to be there. I'm only assuming that part of it. But, oh, there yeah. we go. There we go. Oh, by the way, on principle, you wouldn't have been there if you, would you? Here we go. Here we go. Well, Mark Robinson wouldn't have been there if you, oh, on, on, on principle is. alone after what you he, what he you had. You don't know there. the circumstance of the photo. Well, there might have been the sponsor. Of no, the but even if he, okay, yeah. like, even if he wasn't yeah. paid to be there, once he saw the TAB backdrop, you, you couldn't have sat in front of it. Like that, that's, you know, and he won't be, yeah. the, he won't be at the marquees at the races. You couldn't possibly be going to a, a gambling think, event in the, in the marquees. It's a petty, it's a petty, um, you, from you. You actually raise it, Hushy, not me. No, no, I actually didn't. I did you not. You raise it on our show today. I wasn't going to go racing today. I wasn't going to go racing today. Hey, we got there some, go. we got some harsh feedback. And you can so. play again now. <laughs> we, <laughs> looks like, like Hushy, not, not for the first time, we may have been a little bit, um, misleading last week when we started talking about baseball. And, oh, uh, yes. and and I'm, I'm blaming you because you led this conversation. So we've yep. got, okay, E-Wing, fighter pilot on Twitter, John OET on X, and Jack Bartels on email. They're among three people who gave us a, a bit of a feedback. So I'll paraphrase some of the feedback. Think you'll find, you two, that there have been a few rule changes that have made a heap of changes to the MLB. Missed the mark on the baseball chat there, Hachwa. Just following up on Hutchie and Damo's comments on baseball's length of games problem. As a new fan, I was encouraged by the introduction of a pitch clock. 
this season. This has reduced the average length of the games by just under 30 minutes. Bases are also larger to promote more stolen bases. As a result of these changes, viewership and attendance is up about 10%. So I must admit, did not know about those rule changes. But that may get to the point where we're both saying it's lost a bit of relevance to sport because we didn't even know about the rule changes to it. Yep. I think they've come in about 20 minutes, haven't they? Uh, oh, I'm just reading Jack Bartels. Just under yeah, 30 minutes. Yeah, okay. It reached 3 minutes 10 at its peak. And I think, yeah, they're down about 2 hours 42. But two, uh, okay. 310 was the peak. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. T- time's 161 time. games, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's still it's still each team plays for five hundred hours. So it's a lot of it's a lot of content. Yep. Fair uh, enough, baseball fans. They spoke, didn't they? Don't no, they? they spoke. They spoke, and they rightly pointed out yep. mistakes in our commentary. Hachi, we touched on this last week. The, the World Cup. I, I saw India and Pakistan play on Saturday night, and I had it on. It wasn't jam packed. Now I don't know whether I was just watching it at a stage where it hadn't fully filled out, but they were talking about it being full. I'm just a bit concerned about the impact that it's seemingly having not being anywhere near as massive as I thought it was going to be. Being held in India, one-day cricket, perfect format for so many reasons in in, in that form of uh, entertainment for cricket and, yeah, just not getting the – not capturing mass-scale attention. I think the uh, – the, the it's been quite costly, hasn't it, as a ticket to go? I, I, right. I read somewhere. I don't know whether they have – shouldn't you know, speculate. And then the second thing was – um, it hasn't been wonderfully marketed, has it? Uh, well, I, I don't feel it has been. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be watching matches. I saw Afghanistan beat England last night, interestingly. Does Australia have to beat Afghanistan to progress? Is that right? Oh, well, we've lost the two matches we've played, and yep. it's a different format. There's, there's 10, aren't they, or 12, 10 teams, and it's just basically play each other and see where you finish, and if you finish top four, you make the semis. That, that That's the new I, format. I feel... A little, a little guilty in not having kept an eye on it because this is the first cricket tournament we haven't had the rights for that we that we would have liked to in probably three, two and a half years. So right. we've been around the world with the Australian team, as you know, and the New Zealand team, and it, the, the, all the media deals were done very, very late, and they and um, we're a tiny, 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 tiny part of it. But our view was if we didn't have runway to make it to figure it out, we wouldn't, we couldn't do it, and it they they didn't get any of their. Big TV deals. So I just I don't know whether that's played into the global television promotion or otherwise, but it hasn't certainly hasn't hit the hearts yet in Australia like you thought it might have or could have. And uh, you know when we won during COVID, Damo, it was it was quite a moment, wasn't it? Like yeah. it was, everyone was behind it. So I know that was a different time, but yeah, let's hope that it does come good late in the tournament. World Cup uh, rugby, on the other hand, starting to really oh. I know Wallabies were a shocker, but you know the All Blacks went over Ireland yesterday. It was special. Uh, England uh, win this morning despite scoring less tries than Fiji. So it's, yeah, it's going to get very interesting into the semis next weekend. Yep. Let's head to the question of the week. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. Alex Wilson poses this on Facebook. Ever since first going to the US, Hachi has rightfully said that we, the consumer, need more access to players in sport. In light of the vision of Aaron Baines and Adam Ford being leaked, is there a line or is all publicity good publicity? I only caught up with this story last night, Hachi, just to set it up and I'll get you to set it up even further. But Aaron Baines had a confrontation in the in the sort of anti-space between locker rooms in a recent match. Can you yep. just uh, give us background before you answer it and then uh, and then get to the actual question from Alex there, please? 
Yep. Well, firstly, we're an owner of another team, so I'll just put that on the table before we kind of lay this out with the Perth Wildcats. So there was a a, a melee or an incident before halftime. Aaron Baines was involved. Brisbane and Cairns were playing. Then the players went off. It was quite heated. And in the change, outside the change rooms, the leaked vision um, shows Adam Fort, the Cairns coach, standing in the corridor. Is, is he waiting for Brisbane or is he waiting for his own team? Who knows? Uh, Aaron's the first to arrive and then there's a push and shove between player and coach. Definitely push and shove, yeah. Yeah. Quite, quite and, an aggressive uh, push. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, Aaron, uh, for uh, for a series of incidents, got a five-game suspension in that uh, particular game. Is that is that fair enough? Okay, I don't want to put you on the spot, given you're yeah, an owner I, or another I, club, I but is that fair enough? I, yeah, I, I don't want to comment one way or another. I'm not actually entirely familiar with the circumstances of the... But he got five weeks. Um, all I do know is the NBL put out a, a, a fierce statement yesterday saying the leaking of the vision was entirely inappropriate and calling upon the venue operator, which I think is Netball Queensland from memory, to take urgent action on how the vision got out. But is that is that um, a fair stance? Na- is that a fair stance? Uh, well, I mean, if that, if that happened in an AFL game, you'd well whether the Channel Seven would broadcast it, and I would actually think they would have a conversation behind the scenes to probably, well, possibly not at least. Yeah. But it would be recorded, wouldn't it? I would imagine in the same circumstance yeah, there'd, yeah, there'd be a I, camera I'll, there. Yeah, I would think in the AFL that vision would be probably caught anyway. There's and a chance it wouldn't be broadcast, though. Don't get me wrong. But there is a chance that the broadcaster might not have run it. I think that if the balance of probabilities, you probably would. If you saw a player push a coach, you would. Yeah. The um, But then, interestingly, the, the NBL um, statement, and again, I'm just choosing my words to be carefully because I'm not, it were a bit conflicted, and I'm not privy with the circumstances. But they suggested that the that the, the leaking didn't come from them, so that they feel like they've been slighted by the leaking. So anyway, let's see how it plays out. It it is um, it was confronting vision, and any time yeah, it was, any time the vision is seen to be leaked or fly on the wall rather than normal vision, it just adds to its sort of impact, doesn't it? Yeah, I remember. Um, I don't know if I ever told this story about. Um, not not terribly relevant, but I'll tell it anyway. Uh, I used to host a show called Around the Grounds on Channel 7 back in about 1999, 2000. Five o'clock on a Saturday afternoon for an I hour. I think we've talked about this, haven't we, relatively recently? Yeah. Maybe I have. Yeah. And used to have a locked-off camera in the race. So it was just a locked-off camera in the race. that was it was basically just background fodder. It wasn't there for any particular reason, but you had a feeder in the studio, and David Parkin came off through the race, and you could see him throw an arm or a punch towards the crowd. <laughs> At 4.58 this happened, and we are about to go on air, and you it cut off. You would have been beside yourself when you saw this. It cut off. Just You didn't actually see the, the impact. I recall the story you, you now. I recall the story. All the way up to the impact, right? Yeah. And and I said to the uh, to the director, I reckon Parco just threw a punch at a fan in the race. Turn that vision around. And we did it off the top of the show, like without any um, – like it was a risk probably. <laughs> Welcome tonight as we go to air – 90 seconds ago, David Parkin has flung out at what looks like a fan in the Carlton race. Here's the vision. Yeah. And the, eight, the seven team turned it around in real time. And he it, ended up getting... It took uh, off, didn't it, the story? Yeah, yeah, it exploded. He ended up getting... I'm not sure what sanction he got. He got some sort of sanction. If if we had seen the impact, and I think later on he went on to say that he did clock the, clock the fan, didn't he? But, uh, I think he might have, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think if you're in it... Like, well, 
My loose rule is probably if you're in a sporting venue, you're you're judged by your actions. Yeah. I think that's probably a fair and place to start. Now that doesn't excuse the behaviour of either in the race, nor that it's excused the leaking of the vision without permission. Yep. They're separate issues. But you know, if you whatever you do or don't do in a venue, you're you're responsible for. Yep. No, I agree with all of that. All right, that was episode 38, series eight of The Sounding Board for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to The Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to DrinkWise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to DrinkWise.